Welcome to the Greystone Church Podcast. We are grateful that you're here. We pray that you will be blessed by this message and that God will impact your hearts. Let's listen. Once a quarter, our leadership team has an off-site meeting where we evaluate the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats of Greystone Church. And this meeting typically happens at my house. Well, in June, we decided to expand this meeting, add a little team building, invite the spouses, and so we went for a couple of days uh, to Lake Sinclair. And Tom Gillette, one of our elders, has this beautiful lake house down, down at Lake Sinclair, and we wanted to pray and play in and play and have fun. And so Justin Wojak, our, our creative pastor, and I, we get there early, and we go down to the dock. We're taking the, the covers off the boats. We're getting the jet skis in the water. We're getting the fishing poles ready. And the staff begin to arrive. And Josh Frazier, our Loganville campus pastor, he comes down to the dock. In a real serious voice, he says to me, I have a confession to make. I need to confess something to you. Now, when one of the staff and one of the pastors tells me that they have a confession to make, my mind immediately goes to a worst case scenario. So before he gets anything out of his mind, out of his mouth, my mind's like running, right? Oh, God, no, please, God, no, please. I pray this isn't something serious. Like, is he having an affair? Is he embezzling money from the church? Is, is he involved in dog fighting? Like, what is he, what is Josh about to say? In, 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 in a low voice where nobody else can hear, Josh says, I'm 35 years old. And when he says this, my heart starts pounding. I start sweating. I'm like, what is he about to say? Hopefully, he's not saying what I think he's, he's going to say. He says, I'm 35 years old, and I've never caught a fish. And I was like, whew. Thank you, Jesus. And then I thought, he's never caught a fish? Maybe that's worse. Like, maybe that's worse than these... And these other things, and I told Josh, I said, I said, before we leave here, you're gonna catch a fish, right? So, so the next day, we have our morning meetings, we have lunch, and so we're going out to the dock, and, and uh, it's not ideal fishing, it's summer, it's hot, uh, you know, we had the jet skis going, people are swimming in the water and the floats and everything, and so we get Josh set up with an open face spinning reel, a cork, a hook, and we bought some live worms. So... So he and I are fishing, everybody else is playing, the, the music's popping. I mean, we're, we're having a party as, as much as pastors could have a party, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we're having a good time. So I look over there, and I see Josh's court go under, right? His court goes under. Then I look at Josh, he's not paying attention. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, no wonder he's never caught a fish, like he's not even paying attention. I'm like, Josh, your court's under, and he... He reels it in, and he catches his first fish. We have a picture here. This is Josh's huge catfish that he caught his first fish. So, Josh, come on up. Come on up. I've got something for Josh. Josh, he doesn't know I'm doing this. Come on up, Josh. Come on. Yeah. So, we got Josh a trophy. Says Josh Frazier, my first fish, Lake Sinclair, June 15, 2022. <laughs> so, so, hey, come here. 
So, so the fish wasn't big enough to mount or to even keep. So we got you a trophy. Hey, the real reason I brought Josh up here is today, this Sunday, Josh is celebrating five years of ministry at Greystone Church. So we love Josh. Yeah. Awesome. Love Josh. So we're in this new series called Hooked. And uh, let me say hello to our Monroe campus, or our Coney campus, everybody who's watching online. I love seeing the pictures. Uh, the pictures are so great, seeing all the fish and some, some pretty impressive fish that were on the, were on the screen. Uh, some mai mai and some sailfish and some halibut. I mean, there, there were some pretty nice fish on there. My dad calls me last Sunday after church. And uh, my parents watch the, 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 the service online before they go to Sunday school in church. He said, I want you to put my picture up there. So I have a picture here. This is my dad. And uh, this is me. And then that's the bass that my dad caught. So that's 1969. So that's, uh, that's a long time ago. So I shared with you guys last week that, that I love fishing. I grew up fishing. I absolutely love fishing. Obviously, a lot of you guys love fishing. But I love being a fisher of men even more. And that's what this series is all about. In Matthew 4, 19, Jesus says, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And so if we're following Jesus, if we're truly following Jesus, if we've, if we've dropped our nets and we're following him, if, if we're denying ourselves, taking up our cross daily and following Jesus, like if we've surrendered everything to him, if we're truly following Jesus, he says we will be fishers of men and women. I shared the vision of our church last week that I desperately want us to get back to being a fisher of men and women church. We're not a keepers of the aquarium church. We're not just trying to keep our aquarium clean. We're not just trying to keep our little uh, church uh, safe and, and clean. We're not trying to keep our fish fat and happy. We're a great commission church. We're an outwardly focused church. We want to go into all the world and, and spread the good news of Jesus Christ with people who desperately need Jesus. I shared two big goals last week. The first is we want to see our church get younger. Several people are mad at me because I talked about how old we are last week. And the bottom line is we are old. It's just we, we're old. Now, some of y'all are young. I mean, some, some of y'all are young. But our average age, like our church, is getting older so we want to get younger. And the vision is to reach the next generation. We want to reach our kids. And we want to reach our grandkids for Christ. And if we don't reach our kids and if we don't reach our grandkids, who is going to reach them? The second big goal that I shared is that we want to baptize 365 people this year, which is a huge goal, and it comes out of our study through the, through the book of Acts. We want to see the Lord add to our number daily those who are being saved. And I ask you, who do you want to baptize? Over the next four or five months, who would you like to baptize? Whose life would you like to see change for all eternity? And we had you write names down. We have hundreds of names that were put into the hope chest. We have all of these names on a Google document. And we're praying through these names with you. We're trusting God for some big Things. And so this, in this series, we're learning about evangelism. 
I'm gonna do the best I can to equip our church to evangelize and to share our faith with others. And we're using the illustration of fishing, okay? So you guys check this video out. This is Coach Dyer and myself on Lake Hartwell. It started. Um, you can go to Walmart or somewhere like that. Just get them some basic spinning, uh, you know, basic fishing rods that are easy for them to use. Zebco? Yeah, those old Zebco 33s, that kind of stuff where, where they're not going to get frustrated when they fish. And, and um, you know, one of the things I do, like with my players, a couple times a year um, and with football, during weight training, I'll, I'll bring in some rods and reels and hooks, and I'll teach them all how to tie, hook, tie a proper knot. And so a lot of kids will fish, but they don't know how to tie the right knot. So there's some simple things you got to learn up front. And then I would say to somebody that's never fished before uh, is, is to use live bait, just good old cork and bobber and, and uh, you know, go somewhere where they know they can catch maybe some brim or catfish and really start to hone their skills on what they're doing. So what, what are live bait like? So worms, worms crickets, crickets, yeah. Minnows. Worms or crickets or minnows. That's the, that's the simplest thing to get at the bait store. So you don't even have to have a boat to fish. You don't. You can, you, can, uh, you know, I grew up on a, on a river. I grew up in, in Lilburn, Georgia on the Yellow River. And, and uh, my buddies that I ran with, we, from the time we were seven years old, we were, we, we were making worm farms and we fished on a river our whole childhood. And uh, I think that's where I really developed my love for fishing. So Annie, what's, what's the difference between fishing and catching fish? Well, to me, um, you know, a lot of times it's the presentation, okay? Um, like today, we, we're in a really hot spell, the hottest weather we've had in a long time. And so we would really have to spend, if we were gonna really get after the fish, we'd have to spend a lot of time just like that, figuring out what the pattern was. Oh, uh, what you got? Well, Yep, a little, little bass. Okay, so we'd have to spend a lot of time figuring out what the pattern was and, and what they were eating. So this is a smaller bass. That's a that's a largemouth, a little buck bass. The difference in fishing and catching is a lot of time on the water and uh, you know figuring out what you want to do, uh, changing your presentation up, and then finding the fish. If you're not in the in the area where the fish are, then you're not going to catch any fish. And you know, the one the one thing that the one thing that you can always guarantee is the fish are always going to be near the bait. So if you can find the bait, you can find the fish. Uh, and then after you find the bait, from there, it's figuring out if you can get them to eat. So basically, we're trying to get fish in the boat. Trying to get fish in the boat, okay? <laughs> and you know, hundred uh, percent. And you know, once you're going, if you're, especially when you're fishing with buddies or against other other guys maybe they're out fishing the same day in their boats it's competition you know everybody wants okay. bragging rights so who can catch the most who, fish who can catch the most fish all right so we're, we're gonna learn from fishing so so fishing is for everybody like anybody can fish right young old men women boy girl like pretty much anybody can catch a fish josh frazier can catch a fish right like like anybody can catch a fish Evangelism is for everybody, okay? The Great Commission is for all Christians, okay? Every single one of us can share our faith. You don't have to be a pastor to share your faith. You don't have to be, go to seminary to share your faith. You don't have to be a trained evangelist to share your faith. 
You don't have to have the gift of evangelism to share your faith. Like, like evangelism is for everybody. Anyone can share his or her faith, and, and that's the main point of today. Fishing is for everyone, evangelism is for everyone. Like anyone can share their faith. Now, what keeps people from sharing their faith? Like think, think about your own life. What keeps you from sharing your faith? What keeps you from telling somebody else about Jesus? The, the number one thing I would say is fear. Fear is probably the number one reason we don't tell our, tell our faith with other people. Could be the fear of rejection, could be the fear of losing a friend, could be the fear of offending someone, could be the fear uh, that we might receive some persecution, could be the fear that someone would make fun of us, could be the fear of losing our job if it's in the workplace, could be the fear of being canceled. Now in America, I don't think there's a fear of our lives. Like when, when we're sharing the gospel, like our lives, we're not putting our lives on the line. Now if, now, if we were in another country, like I have a missionary friend in, in India, if we're in the Middle East, if we're in North Korea, China, something like that, yeah, yeah, your life might be on the line. But here, there's no fear of losing our lives. I've been, I've been sharing the gospel now for about 35 years. The worst thing that ever happened to me, sharing the gospel, I was down in Panama City with Summer Beach Project. I was around college age, and we were... Uh, doing beach evangelism. I was out in front of uh, La Vila, Spinnaker. Any of you guys know those places? Actually, Randall Bird, who's sitting right over here, told me that I shared the gospel with him in front of La Vila <laughs> like 30 years ago. <laughs> so small world, Jesus can change all of our lives, right? And so I'm, I'm sharing with this guy, and he's not interested in the gospel, and he's not interested in spiritual things, and he tells me he doesn't believe in God. And I kind of pushed him on it, and I said, well, what... what what do you believe in? Because, you know, if, if you don't know what's going to happen after, after this life, I mean, you really need to think about it, consider it. And he, said, he says, I'll I tell you what I believe in. I believe in spandex pants and somebody not trying to push their religion on somebody else. And it got a little bit heated there for a second, but, but it was really no big deal. Like, no big deal whatsoever. But we are fearful, we are afraid, we're not sure what's gonna happen uh, when we share our faith. Uh, a, a second reason that we don't share our faith is a lack of knowledge. We think, well, I don't, I don't know enough, I don't have enough information. I became a Christian in high school, 17 years old, and about three weeks after I became a Christian, I was at this party, and, and my high school was, was pretty wild. I was in a high school fraternity. Uh, think about the movie Animal House. Okay, that was kind of us, okay? And so if someone's parents were out of town for the weekend, that's where the party was, right? That's where the cake party was. I don't, I don't you know, you know telling what our kids are doing these days. But I remember being at this party, and my buddy started asking me, well, why aren't you drinking? I said, well, Jesus Christ changed my life. I became a Christian. My old life is gone, and I started living a new life in Christ. And I had the opportunity to lead several of my high school buddies to faith in Christ. I didn't know anything. I hardly knew there was an Old Testament and a New Testament. I couldn't quote a Bible verse, but what I could share was my testimony. 
Just, just like the, the blind man that Jesus healed. The religious leaders kept questioning him and he said, he said, look, I was blind, but now I see, you know. It's our testimony, that's our story. It's a, it's a powerful, powerful thing. Just to share our testimony with someone else. Another, another reason people say is lack of training. Well, I just don't have the, I just, I don't have the training. I don't, I don't, I don't know how, how to do it. And I talked about this last week, but one of the reasons we started men's discipleship and women's discipleship was to train you in how to share your faith. And so if you go through the four books that we talk about, we teach you how to share the gospel. We teach you how to share your testimony. We teach you tools to use to effectively share with other people. And it's my hope and my prayer that, uh, that every single member of our church would go through the discipleship book so that you can become a fisher of men and a fisher of women. The fourth reason that, that I would say that people don't share their faith is disobedience. Disobedience. We know that God commands us to share the gospel. We know how to share the gospel. We know how to share our testimony. But for whatever reason, we choose not to do it. We're too busy, we're too distracted, we're too selfish, we're too lazy, we don't make it a priority. And so we choose not to do it. This is the sin of passive disobedience. Passive disobedience. James 4, 17 says, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Now James, the half-brother of Jesus, does not mince words, right? He, he's, he's shooting us straight. He's telling us how it is. And so if we know that God has commanded us to share the gospel and we don't do it, we choose not to do it, James says that is sin. So I want you to look at these four reasons. Which of these four reasons are the reason that you don't share the gospel? Which of the four is it? You're fearful, lack of knowledge, lack of training, or simply disobedient, whether that's just you don't have time to do it. And then the question I have for you is, what are you gonna do about it? What are you going to do about it? So there's different tools and there's different ways to, to share the gospel. And Co Coach Dyer said, he said, the more time we spend on the water, the better we become at fishing. And it's the same with evangelism. The more you share your faith, the more you, you talk to other people about Jesus, the more, the more different tools you learn to share the gospel, different settings, different places, different presentations. He, he talked about uh, the presentation and, and the difference between fishing and catching fish is the presentation. The baits that we use, the, the lures that we use. And so the second point is we use different baits to catch people for Jesus. So Coach Dyer talked about using different baits and different lures to catch different fish. Different depths of water, you know, artificial and live bait, and he went into different things. So interesting fault is what bait can we use to lure people to church? Kind of an interesting concept, right? Like what baits can we use to lure people 
to Jesus. And so I want to pull back the curtain a little bit at Greystone Church. I want to share with you guys, I mean, this is our core group, right? This is our church. We're training you in, in evangelism. We're trying to dominate our community with the love of Jesus Christ. We want to be a fisher of men and women church. And so one of the strategies we use are felt needs message series. Now, this is obviously not a felt needs message series, right? This is a training on evangelism. Studying through the minor prophets through the summer is not a felt needs message series. This is more discipleship, more in-depth type stuff. Every now and then we'll do these felt needs message series. So the next series we're gonna do, and I'm preparing you guys ahead of time, is a felt needs message series. Series on relationships. And we're gonna give everybody invite cards and invite, get you to invite all of your friends. And so we have these, these felt needs message series where people come and we help people with a, a, a felt need that they have. Parenting is a felt need. Having a better marriage is a felt need. Uh, purpose in life, significance in life, making a difference in life. How, how to find a job that you love, how to, how to be successful in your career. Like, like these are felt needs. So, so we're meeting people's felt needs with the opportunity to meet their real need, which is Jesus. So we teach them something to help them, and then we say, but the most important thing is Jesus. Every time somebody comes to my office for marriage counseling, we're gonna do some marriage counseling, but I always push it to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all, all about making Jesus Christ the center of your life. So this is what Jesus did. This is the, the model of Jesus. Jesus would meet someone's physical need and it would open the opportunity for him to meet their real need, which is their spiritual need. In Mark chapter two, we have the story of the four guys who bring their paralyzed friend to Jesus and they cut a hole in the roof and they lower the mat down to Jesus. And Jesus says, get up, take your mat and walk. And he gets up and he takes his mat. So Jesus met his physical need. That's why they came to Jesus, to meet that physical need. But then Jesus says, your sins have been forgiven. He met the physical need, but then he met the real need with the spiritual need, the forgiveness of sins, the reconciliation with God. Jesus would feed the 5,000 with the fish and the loaves, right? 5,000 men plus women and children. Most scholars believe 10,000 people. They were hungry. He met their physical need. And then he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever eats of me will never be hungry again. You'll have eternal life. This was the strategy of Jesus. He would meet their physical need so that he could meet their spiritual need. We do this all the time. We have a care team at Greystone Church. If someone uh, loses a loved one, someone has a baby, someone's sick, we have a care team that takes some meals. Jennifer took a meal to Crystal Frazier last night, the Frazier's, because Isabella's in the hospital. You'll pray for Isabella. But we take people meals, we meet their physical need, but it opens the door to meet their spiritual need. We're able to share with them, God loves you, God cares for you. We wanna pray for you, we wanna minister to you. So we meet the physical need, and it gives us the opportunity to meet their spiritual need as well. All, all of these ministries that we support, you know, 10% of the offering goes to ministries outside the walls of the church. 
Like Greystone Church tithes, right? So we, we give to all these ministries. So we give to Southeast Gwinnett Co-op, we give to the fish, we give to the City of Hope in Athens. We're feeding the hungry, right? People are coming to get food. People are coming to get socks. People are coming to get coats. We're meeting their physical needs with the opportunity to meet their spiritual needs as well. Are y'all picking up what I'm putting down? Like this, this is the model of Jesus. The felt need is the lure, it's the bait that gets people in. So in kids' ministry, we want the kids to have fun, right? So we rent bounce houses. Actually, we rented bounce houses so much, we just bought some bounce houses. Like we have bounce houses that we use. We bring in snow for snow day. We have sports camp, right? I mean, why do we have sports camp? Are we trying to train athletes? <laughs> it's the bait, it's the lure to get kids in so that they can come to know Jesus, right? Our student ministry, we have all these fun events, Color Clash and Jersey Jam and this past week, free pizza, free giveaways. We want it to be fun, but we also want to tell them about Jesus. I mentioned last week that we have motorcycle jumps and Hummer limos and helicopter egg drops. I mean, one year for Father's Day, we, we gave away a, a ATV, Polaris brand new all-terrain vehicle, about $8,000. Thing costs as much as my car, by the way. But all the dads are showing up to win the Polaris, right? It's the bait, it's the, it's the lure. Now recently I've heard some pastors criticize this. Pastor said, we, we don't need gimmicks in the church. Jesus should be enough. We don't need to do these gimmicks. Well for the already saved, Jesus should be enough. For the mature Christian, Jesus is enough. Like, I don't need any of that stuff. I'm coming to worship. I'm coming, coming to learn about the Word of God. But we're trying to reach people that Jesus isn't even on their radar. They're not thinking about Jesus. Who are they thinking about? They're thinking about themselves. So what can we do to meet their needs, to bring them in, so that we can teach them about Jesus and share with them about Jesus and talk about the only person who's truly going to change our lives and fill that void in our hearts? Listen to some of the things Jesus did. He turned six barrels of water into wine at a wedding party. He walked on water. He calmed a storm. He cast a legion of demons out of this crazy strong man that, that chains couldn't hold him down into a herd of pigs and they ran into the lake and drowned. He raises Lazarus from the grave after Lazarus had been dead for four days. Did Jesus use gimmicks? No. He was drawing people to himself. And because of the miracles, news about Jesus spread. 
everybody heard about Jesus because of all of these miracles. And the reason that people were coming to Jesus was to have their needs met. They wanted to be healed. Take my leprosy away. Raise my daughter from the grave. Raise my son back to life. A woman came and just touched the edge of Jesus' cloak and was healed. Like all the people were coming to Jesus because they wanted to be healed. And he did meet their physical needs, but he also met their spiritual needs as well. So I shared last week, we'll do whatever it takes to lead people to Jesus, as long as it's not illegal, right? We're gonna do whatever it takes to lead people to Jesus. And I don't think there's anything wrong with baits and lures to reach people for Jesus. And I want you to open your eyes to this. As our student pastor Spencer would say, this is where I need you to lean in, okay? I need you to lean in on this. Because we have an enemy, and his name is Satan. And the Bible says that he is very crafty. And he is doing everything he possibly can, he and his cronies, to lure people away from Jesus. And if you don't think Satan doesn't have some baits out there to hook your kids and your grandkids, you better get your head out of the sand because he's trying to lure them away from Jesus. He is a liar, he's the father of lies, he's the great tempter, and he will lure people with his traps. I wanna, I wanna talk briefly about the bait of Satan and the lures that Satan uses. And they're probably not what you think because Satan uses good things to lure us away. Let me give you a few examples. Got a new job. Oh man, I got this new job and I'm making all this money. We're gonna be rolling, and I'm tempted to quote Vanilla Ice, but I'm not gonna do it for time's sake. <laughs> you think, oh yeah, we're, you know, we're moving on up now, right? Well, this new job, now you gotta travel. And you're gone every week. You're away from the family, you're away from your kids, you're away from your wife. Well, you're traveling with somebody of the opposite sex, you start sharing some meals together. The company's paying for it, so you're staying at the same hotel. And before you know it, you put yourself in a compromising situation. This is the lure of Satan. This, this is the bait of Satan. This is, this is how he works. He's crafty. Oh, we're gonna buy a new house. We're gonna buy our dream house. Going to the lake, going to the mountains, going to the beach going to this, this dream neighborhood that we want to be in. And this new house takes us out of fellowship, takes us out of the church, takes us away from our small group. All of a sudden, we're alone, we're isolated. Or we make a new, new group of friends and they're a little more worldly. And before we know it, we're heading down a path that we never saw ourselves going 
This is the bait of Satan. It's the lure of Satan. Buy a new car. Your dream car. Brand new right off the lot. But you can't afford it. Massive payment. You're stressed out. Get a side hustle going, get a second job going. And you become slave to the lender. And you're stressed and you're maxed out. And you start self-medicating. This is the lure of Satan. This is the bait of Satan. And there's nothing wrong with a new job and a new house and a new car. Don't, don't hear me wrong, okay? Nothing wrong with those things. Satan could use anything. Could be a new friend. Could be a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Could be kids' sports. Could be a hobby. Could be a Netflix show. Could be a gift that shows up at your doorstep in the form of a leg lamp. A Trojan horse, right? See, Satan is crafty. He, he's not going to dangle in front of your face methamphetamines so that you'll be addicted to drugs and, and your family be ruined. He's not going to dangle armed robber in front of your face so you get 20 years in prison. He's not going to dangle an affair in front of your face so that your marriage will be destroyed and your family will be ruined. See, he's too smart for that. He's too crafty for that. He knows that we wouldn't take the bait. We're not taking that bait. That's too obvious. It's like trying to catch a fish with putting the, just putting the big shiny hook in the water. The fish isn't biting the big shiny hook. But if you hide the big shiny hook with a big old fat juicy worm, maybe that fish is going to take the bait. And that's how Satan works. He puts the shiny fruit in front of us. He puts the carrot in front of us. He puts things in our lives that we think are good, but they could take us out of church, they could take us out of fellowship, they could take us out of the word of God. They could take us out of accountability. And once we bite that hook, like it's a small temptation. Could be looking at a picture on Instagram. But once we bite that, take the bait. And we're on that hook. So every day we put on the armor of God. And every day we have to make sure we're hearing God's voice and not Satan's voice. And how do you differentiate between God's voice and Satan's voice? Well, in order to hear God's voice, we need to be in the Word of God. We need to be in fellowship, in church, in small group, in accountability, in prayer. We need to surround ourselves with the right environment to hear God's voice and the right environment with, with like-minded people. So we're in a war we're in a battle of good versus evil. And we're in a battle for the souls of our kids and our grandkids. 
I'm going to do whatever it takes to reach my kids and grandkids. You can call them gimmicks if you want to. <laughs> but I'm going to do whatever I possibly can to take my kids and my grandkids to heaven with me. It's pretty simple. We're putting out bait to lure people to Jesus, and Satan is putting out bait to lure people away from Jesus. And I know I got off on a little bit of a tangent today, but I felt like this is what God was leading me to share with our church. So let me, let me close with this. Let's get very practical with evangelism. Is be prepared to share your faith. Be prepared to share your faith. 1 Peter 3, 15 says, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And you be prepared. I believe the best way to tell somebody else about Jesus is our personal testimony. It's our personal testimony. I was blind, but now I see. Jesus changed my life. I was lost, but now I'm found. And so application today is very simple. I want to ask everyone in our church to write out your personal testimony. And I have an easy-to-follow outline. Here's three paragraphs. What was your life like before you came to know Christ? How did you come to know Christ? Like, what were the events involved in you coming to know Christ? Then how has your life changed after you put your faith in Jesus? Because there has to be a difference, right? Because if Jesus comes into your life, then there's a change. There's a difference. <laughs> Jesus can't come into your life and your life not change. And you keep living how you've always lived. So what was your life like before Christ? Who shared with you? Where were you? How did it happen? How did you put your faith in Jesus? And then now, how has your life changed? Very simple application today. Now, a lot of you have already written your testimony. Mike, I mean, you know, you know your testimony. So your application this week is different. Your application this week is to share your testimony with somebody. This week. My application this week is for me to share my testimony with someone. We talked about this last week. Spiritual maturity and spiritual depth is not head knowledge. It's application. It's putting into practice what we know. And maybe for you, you fall into the category of passive disobedience. You know that you need to share your faith and you just hadn't been doing it. So today, as the Holy Spirit is convicting, we want to confess our sins and commit, okay, commit this week to sharing our faith. All right, let me pray for us. God, I thank you so much for your goodness. I thank you, God, that anyone can share the gospel. We don't have to be trained professionals. We don't have to have the gift of evangelism. We don't have to be pastors. God, if you've changed our lives, we have a story to tell. And it's a phenomenal story whether we were eight years old or whether we were 80 years old. Whether we were on drugs or we were a choir boy. 
God, I pray that we would be outwardly focused. That we wouldn't just sit back in our comfortable chairs, in our churches, while we have a lost and dying world all around us. I pray, God, that we would be light to the world. We would be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. That we would be a Great Commission church. We would be fishers of men and women and students and children. God, I pray that you would use our church to reach the next generation. I desperately pray, God, if there's any kids in our Greystone Church family who don't know you, I pray they would come to know you. If there's any grandkids that don't know you, I pray that they would come to know you. God, help us to recognize the lures and the baits of the enemy. And help us, God, to stay on the path that you want us to be on. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more of these messages or info on Greystone Church, feel free to visit our website, greystonechurch.com. We pray that you will have an amazing day.